Welcome back to the Undrafted Podcast, episode 20. Today is July 18th, 2021. Max Sommer, all the way from Toronto. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be happy to be back on the pod. Yeah. You uh you got your first shot. I'm just asking everyone who comes on now about shots. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I got the got my first Moderna. Feeling yes. good. The mic the microchip's a little itchy, but uh we'll get in over it. But yeah, excited excited for life, hopefully. To return to normal. Yeah. Um Toronto is slowly getting their uh, sports teams back. TFC had a game, I believe. TFC actually, f- funnily enough, I um, is it the hospital that I work at? They TFC gave out uh, tickets or like well, free tickets to the hospital employees for their. I think uh, maybe it's the season opener. I don't know. They're playing Orlando. So I think Nanny plays for Orlando. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of my least favorite United players ever. Just, just, oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, we don't really need to get into Nani, but <laughs> certainly not not one of my preferred United players over the past couple of decades. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Blue Jays just got, like, I think their approval to come back at the end of July. Um, so I guess the Raptors will be next, hopefully. Yeah, out yeah. of Tampa. Yeah. They're still they're doing their pre-draft from there. Like all the players really? they're bringing in for draft are coming into Tampa. Um, God, but horrible. Know, if the Delta variant doesn't run run through the world, uh, you know, I think they'll be back there. Yeah, gosh, I can't I can't imagine what the players must be feeling like having to, like contemplate living in Tampa for a whole another year. Yeah, the like they hated it. It's pretty clear from everything they said. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many had their families with them, but it yeah. just must have been terrible. We can get to that later, maybe. Um, what we are here to talk about are the Euros, Euro 2020 uh, via 2021. Um, I guess it's been a week now since the final. Uh, both of us were rooting for, I presume, England. Um, yep. I will say, I guess, or not I guess, I think the best team start to finish from the tournament won in the end. Yeah. Agree? Uh, I mean, I'm always confused when people say that. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's a more because, North American term. Yeah. Because I think in tournament in tournaments generally – there is a huge amount of luck in terms of where you play, when you play, who you play. Like, so quality, the quality of the team is only a, a percentage, let's say maybe 70%, 60% of how things go for you. And so I don't necessarily think that means that Italy had the, the best team. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I was certainly impressed, certainly surprised. It's nice to see, like Mancini, who who in England is a sort of has kind of a. I think is generally liked because of of well, certainly by City fans, they delivered their first title in a, you know decades. But you know, in Italy, the national team is, you know, for a long time has been a 
a bit of a mess, a bit of a shambles. And, you know, they did a lot of things pre-tournament to kind of get young people excited. I don't know if you saw their squad announcement. No, I didn't. Video? No, it wasn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was just, it was crazy. It was like a whole ceremony, like on TV. And yeah, it was, I think it's nice to see like a footballing powerhouse get their, get their mojo back a bit. So I would say, although it was, it was, uh, you know, a tragedy, to be honest, for England to lose at Wembley on penalties, I, uh, and maybe Italy weren't the best team of the tournament, but I would say if England weren't going to win it, Italy were the team that I would like to see win it. It's uh, it's pretty, pretty wild for them to not have qualified for Russia 2018 and then to come back and win this uh, three years later. Um, like, I assume when they missed the qualification for that, that must have been, like, one of the darkest and lowest points for Italian football history. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's it's a testament really to um to Mancini and and sort of the changes that he's he's made to the team and and I think the I was reading uh just like how how much the attitude within the dressing room had changed. You know, like I think Bonucci said something about like it it feeling really cohesive and feeling like a family and everyone was playing sort of for a singular objective and before that that wasn't the case in previous Italian teams so I I think it shows the sort of the power of good management and good leadership yeah what's their unbeaten streak now it's like 30 something yeah it's something crazy yeah Yeah. um so getting into the final specifically uh I mean there's probably a bunch of things we could point to but where did England fail did it start with just being conservative after scoring such an early goal yeah I think in football this is kind of a common thing of of scoring too early and it doesn't matter whether whether you're you know an amateur football team or whether you're the England national team there's always like you're stuck in two minds once you score early is do we protect this and try and see the game out or do we go and grab a second and risk you know getting countered um, and I think in, in tournaments, the tendency for coaches to be conservative is significant because it's not like you're playing the team a second leg. There's no aggregate. Like you really just have to see out those 90 minutes and you're through to the next round. Um, so I, I don't know what you, I don't know whether you think Southgate should have done something different or whether most other coaches in the tournament would have been as conservative as Southgate. I don't know. What do you think? Um, that's kind of how they approached most of the games, I think, throughout the tournament. It was a lot of early press the 10 minutes, uh, first 10 minutes, and then just kind of sit back. I don't know. They played quite defensive for most of the games, uh, notably the Germany game where they ran out that extremely defensive lineup, mm. like three right backs, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I don't like. I'm not sure they were expecting to even grab a goal inside two minutes. Uh, but would you? Uh, are you mad at Southgate after he like the tournament for the most part was a success for them? No, even if his choices at times seemed like questionable, they seemed to work for the most part up until you know the 120th minute maybe of this game. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound 
like a, too negative. But are we sure that Southgate is as good as people think he is? Probably not. Because I, at least in England, like he is revered. And I saw a crazy article the other day about like, oh, he could do anything now. Like he'd be a politician. He could be a <laughs> business leader. Like people were like, oh, he's got all the right attributes. And, and um, whilst I think generally the team is trending in a positive direction and that that's sort of partly definitely partly due to him like he's bringing in lots of young players certainly the, the attitude towards the England team is overwhelmingly positive even before the tournament and so I I hesitate when I say that I don't think he's very good but I still don't think he's very good because like okay let's in 2018 they they beat Panama, <laughs> lost to Belgium twice, beat Colombia, beat Sweden, and lost to Croatia. And it, that just happened to be a route that got them far in the tournament. But none of those results really, you know, like they beat Tunisia. Yeah. Like yeah. none of those results really stand out to me. It's like, oh, wow, like that, you know, this is this is like a, you know, a strong given the talent in the team. Yeah. I don't know if any of those results stand out to me as like. Wow, you know England are back. England are, you know, a force to be reckoned with. Then you, you know fast I mean? forward to this year, and again they kind of got an easy draw outside of Germany in the round of sixteen. Right, and I think the Germany game is the only one that stands out as like wow, like Southgate, tactically, he, you know, he set up with the three three five two like defensive, and it worked, and they won the game. But out of every other match that I've sort of at a major tournament, I'm not sure if there are other results that really like stand out to me as proof that Southgate is this sort of magician. You know, like given the given the talent of the team, I don't know. Yeah, I the team is like unbelievably filled with talent right now. Mm. Probably more than ever. I mean, you could compare to some of those 2000s teams. Um, I would expect him to be back, I think, for at least the one more World Cup, which is around the corner. Uh, that also snuck up on us. But, um, yeah, I think he'll be back. I think they'll give him one more yeah. run. Yeah, I mean, he deserves to be back. Like, to get to the you final know, like, was still somewhat yeah. of a success, even if they played, like, almost all their games at home and had that advantage. I, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying he should be fired. I'm not saying anything, anything like that. But I I do think people should be sort of take context into account, and and that is sort of at major tournaments. The past two major tournaments that England have played at, they've had fortunate. They've been lucky in terms of the group, and they've been lucky in terms of the path to to the final. Even you know. Yeah. Um. And I, I do think maybe I hope that Southgate will reevaluate some of the decisions that he's made. You know, like there shouldn't be complacency in the sense that oh well we got to the final so this is this is the recipe for the next tournament because there are some pretty glaring issues. I think just in terms of creativity. Yeah. Um. That that were apparent in almost every single game in this tournament. 
Um, how do you feel about the 120 millionth substitutions of Rashford and Sancho, and the idea that they're you know they have no feel for the game, no real warm up, and then are expected to take penalties three and four? Yeah, I mean that that was uh, that was moronic. Just the whole every single every single sub that game was moronic. Like forget about even before that. The first sub he makes is Henderson, right? Yeah, to uh, <laughs> calm down the pace. After I, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, like I think I might have the order wrong in my head, but I think Mancini brings on two strikers. He brings on Belotti, and takes off Immobile. And early and brings on. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't know what like Southgate must have recognized that Italy were going out to attack the game, and and for some reason. He, I don't know whether he wanted to see the game out or he felt that England were anxious and he wanted to bring on a more experienced player. But the, the subs were just, you know, pretty disgraceful, to be honest. Yeah. Um, where are you on Grealish? Because was there was a whole, like, Grealish fandom, I think, that kind of yeah, rose up. I mean, you know, should he start? Why is he not coming on in, until later? I think Grealish is certainly a fan favorite. Yeah. I um, I'm not sure how, like I I love Grealish. I think he's a quality player. Um, I think England more than Grealish really missed Foden. Hmm. Because Foden is a player that gets on the ball. Like he's been under Guardiola for a long time, so he really I think he's sort of understands the game really well. And and Mount, for example, who came who came into the team for Foden, doesn't doesn't really have that same sort of vision and he was ability. a little invincible i mean not invisible uh i thought for most of the match yeah yeah he was extremely quiet so i think like Grealish is uh, is a good player to bring off the bench but uh i just think the mentality is wrong like i don't necessarily have an issue with the the which attacking player he brought on, like I'm not saying, oh, he has to bring on Rashford or he has to bring on Sancho. He just, he needed to make early positive attacking changes because the team were, it's not like we looked a threat on the counter. Italy were bossing the game pretty much after the first 15 minutes. So we needed to do something to assert the team, sort of to force England to assert themselves onto Italy and bring on Jordan Henderson is not, it just doesn't doesn't make sense. Like there's there's no logic behind that sub other than let's protect the the goal that we scored in the first ten minutes. Here's the uh, I found the sub pattern for England. Okay. Uh, so the first sub was Saka, came on for Trippier at the seventieth minute. Like <laughs> we'll come back to Saka. Um, Henderson for Rice seventy four. Grealish for Mount ninety ninth. And then Rashford for Henderson, one twenty, uh, same time Sancho for Walker. Yeah, and do you have the Italian subs there as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fifty uh, fifth minute, Berardi for Immobile. Uh, oh, I missed one. Fifty fourth minute, Cristante for Barella. Uh, Eighty six, Bernadeschi for Chiesa. Well, Chiesa was injured. I assume he would yeah, stay yeah. on. He was so great. Yeah. Um. That was 86. 90th minute, Belotti for Insigne. 
96 Locatelli for Verratti. And then 118 Florenzi for Emerson. Yeah, so those those first few subs are extremely attacking. And um, I can't remember, what was that before or after the goal? That first sub? Uh, which one? Italy's? Yeah. Or Italy's? Italy's yeah, Italy's was, first sub. It was before. I don't think they scored until 70, 75th or something. Right, right. So they're, they're clearly chasing the game. And at this point, they're dominating. So it's even, I would say, slightly surprising that Mancini even makes those changes because I think the team is doing well. Yeah. Um, and and I, at least to me, I could feel the goal was coming. Yeah, they had so, so much possession after that, after the goal. Yeah. And so I think that the difference between Mancini and Southgate there is, is worth noting because Mancini's team were on the front foot and yet he, he still made changes. And Southgate's team were on the back foot and he waited to make changes. And so I, I hope Southgate learns from this experience and doesn't just say, oh, well, we made it to the final. Like, let's just keep, keep everything that we did in, in the Euros and bring, the, bring that to Qatar because that, that is just the wrong, the wrong thing to do. Uh, penalties. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you asked me about the bringing the th- the three subs on. Sorry. Oh no, I mean like, they it flew. <laughs> the point. I just wanted to talk about Saka. <laughs> That's late drama. Um. I don't know. I mean, Pickford saving two. If you'd told anyone before the shootout of Pickford saved two, you'd feel pretty <laughs> pretty good, especially the fifth one from Jorginho. Yeah, if you told anyone that Pickford was starting for England <laughs> a year ago, I think. Uh, you think you might have had a few people shocked at that as well, but no, what if you told people yeah, that I mean, Calvin Phillips was a midfield linchpin for the entirety of yeah. twenty twenty? He's the Yorkshire Peeler. Um, yeah, I mean the subs to bring on to bring on Sancho and Rashford and then have them miss is like, you know, like in hindsight it looks bad, but in the moment I don't, I don't know. I mean, certainly there's an argument to be made that you. You don't want to bring on cold players who don't have a feel for the game, who don't have the adrenaline going to take penalties because so much of taking a penalty is confidence as opposed to quality. Like, you don't have to be a good player to score a penalty. Yeah. Um, but as you were saying, like, it is, it is a bizarre decision to bring in players who, who are completely cold to take probably the biggest kick of their life. It looked like they tried to get them in like earlier. Like it looked like Rashford was getting ready during halftime of uh, extra time, and then for some reason they just held them out. And then towards the end, like the ball just didn't go out. There was no dead ball, yeah. and I really had like my heart dropped when they came in and immediately it was on a corner <laughs> in the hundred uh, yeah, twentieth yeah, yeah. minute, and Walker and Henderson had just come off, and yeah. Yeah, actually, no, I, I do remember that. And it's that's always, like, I'm sure they have set pieces worked out. Like, I think they were doing, I think, partial zone and partial map marking. Uh-huh. So if you if you mess up your juices there, like, they'll forget about penalties. The game's over, so. Um, yeah, although I think, I think they'd done some pens in training, and that was how Southgate made that decision. But I don't know, I... I this practicing penalties and training thing seems a bit 
like something it's like, what, like what it's like something we would do you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm pretty sure we did do that it's like well like obviously like these are premier league footballers like they they probably know how to take a penalty i'm not sure like what, what practicing them in training would do in like a quiet training yeah. ground with it's no St. Pressure. George's Park where it's just silent. <laughs> yeah, um, unless they were like, I don't know, shouting stuff out. Can you imagine Southgate just heckling players from behind the net? <laughs> that, I, that, would be, that would make sense to me. But I imagine they probably just had them line up and take pens and like, all right, well, Sancho scored five out of five, so he should take second. Like, it seems a, a bit stupid. For that to be the way that you decide who takes penalties, irrespective of how the game is going, irrespective of who's playing, how they're playing, to me that doesn't make sense. But again, in, in hindsight, it's easy to say, "Oh well, they missed. Obviously, that was the wrong thing to do." Yeah. Um. Nineteen-year-old Saka <laughs> forced to step up in the fifth one. Yeah, I don't know. Pretty. I don't know. I, Southgate loves him. Yeah. I. I mean, I uh, every, I like him. He's he's good. He's nineteen. Like, you know, he has a lot of time to grow. But to put him, yeah, yeah, to put him in that, that's tough. That's it's like one of the hardest things you could put someone into. Yeah, I um, I don't know. Southgate really trusts him, and and certainly in my view, paid played him way too much at the Euros. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I don't envy that position at all no because i mean you could say it's it's poor management in the sense that like why why is he taking the fifth penalty but on the other hand it's it's very tough to turn out turn to a player and say oh we don't think you can you can do this do you know what i mean so i it, it's a tough situation but yeah i mean uh your other options I, were like sterling or grealish i guess yeah yeah, I I feel I feel that when you're when you're talking about who takes penalties, it's it's always you have to be careful about in hindsight. You know, like judging decisions with with you know with the knowledge that they missed because obviously if they missed it was maybe the wrong decision to then to take it. But I I think you're right that that Saka probably should not have taken the fifth penalty at Wembley in the finals, the nineteen year old. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean that's it really for that match. The other things to talk about would just be like <laughs> the uh, the crowd, or maybe the antics before and after, and all you know. Yeah, I mean, look, like you've been to football games in England. I've been to football games in England. There's like, uh, I mean, relative to North American sports, it's. Uh, it's like a zoo. You know what I mean? Like there is something about going to football matches in England makes people yeah. just like lose all decency. And this situation and like, like just amplified that, I think, you know, post, uh, post, 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 quote unquote, post COVID uh, at home, you know, people have been at the stadium for like five hours before the match just drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously you you have the just horrible racist abuse that yeah. Rashford gets and Saka gets and and look like it's it's uh, it's just something about football and certainly not just in the UK I'm sure elsewhere in Europe it's like this but 
there is a like a lack of respect that that you see just like every single time you go to football matches like the way fans treat their own players treat opposing players uh is is pretty remarkable and and there's no chance anyone you know if they saw the player you know in the street or outside of a football stadium if they if they they would never treat anyone else with that level of contempt or disrespect yeah and just like something about sitting in a stadium allows people to think that they get a pass or they can say things that they would never ever say outside of that context and then afterwards online you know it gets like a whole nother level i guess you have the you know safety of being behind a screen and behind a phone and account um yeah yeah i think but but by the same sorry go ahead. i was gonna say i'm pretty sure they've arrested a few people uh yeah yeah online abuse yeah and that's good i mean like you you want to deter people you, i think to be honest these people should, should like you know an example should be made of them like they should be banned for life and things like that um but I like having said all of this, the atmosphere at sort of football matches in the UK, you know, I would much rather, I would much rather go to a football match in the UK relative to a basketball, you know, like a regular season Raptors game or regular season Blue Jays game or, I mean, the Leafs maybe compare slightly, but I don't think it's close. Yeah, no. Like the, um... just the, the intense, the intensity, the ferocity, the passion that fans have in the UK for their team is brilliant like i love it but it manifests itself sometimes in just like despicable behavior yeah there have been a few reports that it might have affected a uh, 2030 world cup bid maybe i know like i don't know how much weight that carries just one match but i don't know yeah well they had you know they had that laser pointer with michael <laughs> And they were booing the national anthem. The booing the national anthem thing was bad. Like, yeah. I mean, the laser thing was also bad, but I'm like kind of shocked that the national anthem was being booed. Yeah, it's um. I I don't want to say I'm surprised because I'm not surprised, because uh, like some of the things that I've heard at football stadiums are just like <laughs> some of the chants are. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know, like booing the national anthem is probably the you know, on the lighter end of the spectrum of things that could possibly happen yeah. or could possibly be done. But yeah, I, I I don't know if FIFA is moral enough or UEFA, I guess, in this case. UEFA or FIFA are moral enough to be like, oh, okay, well, that's the reason we're not awarding the World Cup. I'm sure financial... <laughs> so Italy and Saudi Arabia are apparently putting together a joint bid for the same year, 2030, which is just like, <laughs> I don't know. Logistically, yeah. I mean, we can get to the logistics of Euros just being across the continent, but like Italy and Saudi Arabia doesn't make much sense to me either. No, I mean, does Qatar make sense? Uh, no, I, I'm <laughs> still, I still can't get it into my head that we're gonna have a Winter World Cup <laughs> in Qatar after everything that's been reported and revealed about that entire, not just the bid, but like the building of the infrastructure for this to even exist. Yeah, it's. Um... Yeah, I think we've always known that the, that the leadership of world football, FIFA, is is corrupt. And just because you remove Blatter, I, I don't think, like, it's a culture of corruption rather than a, a single individual. Yeah. 
and and the, the, I doubt that I doubt that'll change in the near future. But uh, yeah, it's I mean to be honest, it doesn't really affect doesn't really affect me. It probably doesn't affect you. Do you know what I mean? Like our enjoyment of of the game is not affected by it, but uh, obviously it still should be dealt with. Yeah, um, I don't really think uh, the like seven whatever seven countries how many of our countries it was this time. I'm not sure that's coming back for a while. Uh, I don't think no. like Wales enjoyed traveling to Baku to play their like <laughs> round of sixteen match versus Denmark or something. <laughs> yeah, the Baku the whole the I remember they hosted the Europa League final, <laughs> and there was no direct fright. From from London to Baku, so wasn't so, this the Arsenal yeah. Chelsea year? Yeah, the Arsenal <laughs> Chelsea, and there was just no way for the fans, no easy way for the fans to get there, and it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> pretty. It's funny, but also just fucked. It's like so fucked up. <laughs> Baku, I'm like, how does that even get on the list of the other stadiums? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Um, I uh go ahead. Yeah. No, I just it's it just shows you like how what what the priorities of the people who run FIFA and UEFA are. Yeah. And it's not the fan experience, it's not you know uh the treatment of the people that build the stadiums, not human rights. It's uh it's money. It's money. Um outside of the Euros Domestic leagues are going to be coming back like any time now. Basically, it's already the end of July. Uh, how are you feeling about Man United? You're, uh, you got Pogba coming off another pretty pretty impressive international performance. Uh, Sancho, new addition. Sounds like Varane might end up there. Yeah, I um. Well, we we beat Derby today in a friendly two one. Sick. So that's always it's always positive, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think every time I see Pogba play for France, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what? You know, like how can we get him to play like this for United and sign Kante? And I think it's sorry, <laughs> sign Kante. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he just gets so much freedom for France that. Um, and he's playing with just like Mbappe yeah. and Griezmann and just like so much quality that it, that um, I, to be honest, I don't think he could play like this for United even if he tried. Yeah. You know, even if he tried as much as he does for France. Not, but I, I well, actually I take that back. I think his effort has improved for United. Um, he certainly looks like he cares more. He certainly looks like he's invested more. But I, I just don't think there's a way to replicate how well he plays for France just because of the freedom that he gets. Um, but I'm excited. You know, like, the Sancho signing is good. I'm a little worried about how reliant we were on Cavani last season. Because <laughs> he's, getting, he's, getting, he's getting a bit old. <laughs> and um, we can't... I don't know how many goals we can expect from him this season. Who's your, I don't know, alternate replacement? Is it... Marcus, I guess. You just bring him into the middle. Yeah, I don't know. I Martial, Rashford, like it's like Greenwood, sort of. Greenwood, but the thing is, is none of those players look comfortable playing central. 
I mean, like I would much rather see Rashford wide. I'm, I, I don't think he wants to play out wide. I think his preferred position is striker. Martial is is probably the most like out and out striker we have in the team, other than Cavani. Mm. But he's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I love him. I think he's so talented. I think sort of one on one, he's one of the best players in Premier League in terms of beating players. But he's. Uh, I don't know if he's. I don't know if we can win a title with him at. At number nine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Are you uh, excited about the new team viewer sponsorship jersey? No more, yeah, no yeah. more Chevrolet. I, I, uh, <laughs> I saw like a funny, uh, like, you know, Van de Beek? <laughs> Did you see that, see that video, that picture of him? No. <laughs> no, it was something like, so it's the new team viewer sponsor. And the caption was, oh, his name's supposed to be on... <laughs> Oh, your name's supposed to be on the back of the shirt, not the front. Uh, so I thought that was funny. But yeah, it's uh, always nice to get a new sponsorship. It means probably have to buy a new shirt. So to give a bit, to give a bit more money to the club, which I'm sure they need. But yeah, I don't know. Do you like it? I, it's just nice to see changes from Chevrolet. Yeah, yeah, it is. It was one of the more questionable sponsorship choices of the last uh ever actually yeah For, it's also just such like a such a bold logo yeah it's like a gold it's hard to like mesh it into the uniform design like some of the other ones yeah. are pretty easy to get through but yeah yeah like emirates for example fly emirates yeah. just like white text this is like a a big gold t <laughs> so yeah i i guess i'm i'm not not sad to see that go yeah but um Transfer window potential. I've got a list of names here. Oh, uh, Harry Kane. Is it happening? Ah. Yes or no? To City. Um, I would say no. I'd say Nuno. Um, who's the new new Spurs coach? Like that. <laughs> that would be pretty. A pretty big fuck you to him to be like. All right, well. Because I know they had trouble recruiting managers. Oh, my like, God. Nuno certainly wasn't their first choice. He was maybe their, like, eighth choice. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that would be pretty... Like, Tottenham would be a joke if after <laughs> failing to get a manager, they then sold their best player. Yeah. I think, like, if, if Levy wants the club to sort of really cement itself as, like, a real top six or part of the top four... You can't you can't send statements like that. You know you can't just sell your best player. Um, Reportedly, City has offered the cash plus players deal. Interesting. Um, what players? Players. I not obviously not all these players, but I assume some combination of them. Uh, Jesus, Silva, uh, Sterling, Laporte, Mares. I thought that was an interesting one. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Having e- even with some combination of those players or one of those players, I still think Spurs would be. It would be a bit of um. It just seems like a a step in the wrong direction, irrespective of of talent. Like, not to say that any of those players aren't good enough to play for Spurs, but just as a as a message to sell your club captain, your talisman. 
you know, I, I just think that's the wrong thing to do. But I don't know. I'm sure City could offer, make make a pretty enticing offer with some of those players. So I don't know. Well, I'm sure any of the City players would be really excited to be playing in the Europa Conference League next season. <laughs> yeah. What, what what does that name change? Like, <laughs> no, it's a third like division. Oh, uh, it's oh, that's a division it below the Europa League. <laughs> oh God. So wait, how, sir? How is that gonna work? I don't know. It's like just another thing. It's like they felt the need to add a, a third European competition. Nice. Yeah. That's um. What, so what are they gonna play on a Friday night? <laughs> Some Monday night? A Tuesday night? Like what? When is there? When is there space for a third? <laughs> Let me see what I can find about the conference league. I I I didn't I thought it was like um some kind of Europa League replacement. No. But it's an addition to the Europa League. Yeah. God damn. Why? UEFA Europa Conference League, colloquially referred to as the UEFA Conference League, <laughs> will be an annual football club competition held for. The league will serve as the bottom level of the existing Europa League competition, which was reduced from 48 to 32 teams in the group stage. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just well, it's like a, it's a really shit tournament to be in. Yeah. Unlikely that I will be watching that. <laughs> <laughs> just reading about this is really funny. Prize money, five mil, champion. All right. Five mil. How much does he win in your? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, need, <laughs> don't need to Google it. Um, another name, Jack Grealish, has also been mentioned for City. Yeah, I think that is that is pretty likely, because Villa. Villa probably know that there's no chance he stays for one more year, for another year, and and um, I'm sure City, I'm sure they could get his value is probably peak pretty high right now and i i imagine city can offer just a filthy amount of money to uh to villa but it would be interesting to see how he fits into if he if he goes to city because he's quite a he needs the ball Hmm. a lot yeah so i'm not sure how how well he fits into the i'm not sure how many uh... team how many runs he's making at the back post after De Bruyne whips it in from like <laughs> yeah exactly Sterling the the Sterling special I was uh, very impressed with Sterling this summer I must say yeah yeah I I'm, I've never been a believer until this summer because I I always thought oh if you look at the kinds of goals he scores as you said most of it <laughs> back post or some kind of like fluky. The ball bounces around, hits Jesus in the face, and it falls to Sterling. Um, but he was he was exceptional. He was really really good, and he like constantly taking on players, really hard to tackle. He was the only player like putting pressure on defense at points during. Yeah, the no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think a, a big issue for England was that because of the lack of creativity. Because you have like Rice and Phillips, who are like good holding midfielders, but not necessarily the most yeah. um, visionary footballers. Then you have Kane dropping so deep to get on the ball, 
And so there's no, there's no target up front. And then you really rely on Sterling to sort of be a player and whipping across, or one of the fullbacks, Shaw to be a player whipping across, Trippier, Walker to be a player whipping across. And that, that's, been, that's been the majority of England's goals, I think. You know, Not to turn this back into another England conversation, but were there any other standouts outside of Raheem? Kyle Walker comes to mind. I know you... Uh... <laughs> You're not a big fan. No, I, he played. He played okay. Again, it's like his his speed gets him out of a yeah. Like his gets him out of a lot of trouble sometimes. Uh, oftentimes, he is ridiculously fast for the oldest player on the yeah. team. It's kind of weird. Yeah, he's he's rapid. I would say um, Harry Maguire. I mean, I think Harry Maguire's I, penalty. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I'm always a believer in Harry Maguire. People like to shit on him for for no reason. He's just because he's a bit funny looking. Um, I think I think Maguire played brilliantly. I thought I, he was in the team of the tournament. I think actually, yeah, he was. Um, I I thought Rice and Phillips, sort of as a, as like a strong holding midfield. That that's an excellent base to build off of. Like the, for a long time, England haven't had that kind of like midfield. Presence, yeah. Um, basically, like since two thousand and six, you know, like well, going into two thousand and six World Cup, it's always been all oh, can Lampard and Gerrard play together, <laughs> and and that just didn't really work out for some reason. They couldn't make it work, and it looks like Rice and Phillips, although different players to Lampard and Gerrard, can can play well together, and that was probably the most positive sign for England. Is I thought they looked solid breaking up play. Um. Getting sort of putting themselves about their physical right, especially Rice. Rice is a big guy, yeah. so I thought that was probably the standout. Um, let's say like tactical part of the England team, but yeah, I thought Maguire played well, Shaw played well actually. For all the shit Mourinho gives him, he continued his on... immense run of form. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I. I thought individually a lot of players played well for England, but um, it just it just wasn't there was not enough. I mean, I don't want to repeat myself too too much, but there just wasn't enough creativity. Yeah, for a team that seemingly was like bursting at the seams with attacking talent, people yeah. people trying to fit in like Foden, Mount, Kane, Sterling, Grealish into like one attacking uh, starting eleven. It just I don't know. It well, just didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work, and and obviously it's tough tournaments. You have just so few games to figure out what your your best eleven is, and I think Southgate kind of the f- the back part of the team. He's pretty sure of what his best eleven is. You know, is is back for the two holding midfielders. I think he knows that sort of what his best lineup would be, but that front, whatever four or five or whatever it is. I I think he's he still doesn't know and I I still don't know what what the optimal sort of setup would be both in formation and and personnel. Hmm. Um back to my list of names. Erling Haaland, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you think about that? I don't know. It's I mean he's got a uh, the release clause next summer is 75 million. So I assume there'll be a bunch more teams uh, 
picking up the phone mm. and making the call. Um, and he's got Raola as his agent, no? Yes. Some nice fees will be uh, heading his yeah. way. And his dad's way, apparently. Something like that. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you can make it happen, you make it happen. He's he's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, I think they don't really, you know, they can't really rely on Giroud much more. I've not been very impressed with Timo. I don't think he's very good. I don't know about you. <laughs> I mean, he had a bad year. I don't know if, like, you give him, I mean, you, you can afford to give him one more year. Maybe. Yeah, you still won the I mean, Champions I, yeah. League. It's uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, time. exactly. Yeah, I don't. I um. I just didn't think he was. He was so impressive. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, Ben White has completed his move to Arsenal. Yes. <laughs> but for a lot of it was at fifty million or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Sounds like a lot of money to me. But I guess Arsenal is so desperate for for a central defender that they'll they'll fork out. But he's a good player, I think. He play, plays quite well for Brighton. Well, it sounds like I don't think he sounds like you might be getting sorry. Varane for the same amount or less. So yeah, I would have taken Varane like five years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's how old is he now? He's twenty eight. I feel like he's been like twenty five forever, but he's twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. So I think I mean I would still. T- would still take him, obviously, but uh, he's not the same prospect, you know, that he was. Yeah. You know, like let's say we let's say we bought him two years ago or three years ago, mm. I would have been much more excited. Um, there's some Griezmann smoke. I don't know, just because Barcelona's yeah. in so much debt that they're like trying to sell off players. It's a fire sale. Yeah. What a shambles! Like, I don't know. The club is in such a mess. They uh, apparently Messi had to take a fifty percent pay cut. Which is wow. like ridiculous for the amount he was earning before. I mean, he's still earning so much. <laughs> so he's staying though. Like, what? Whatever happened to the? Yeah, I know. It was messy out. It was more fun when it was messy out. Yeah. Who did they? They brought in Depay. Memphis. Yeah. United <laughs> legend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I. Cool, I guess. I don't know what else to say to that. Memphis. We had... They paid a 120 for Griezmann a couple summers ago, which is kind of yeah. ridiculous. I uh, I don't know. I don't, like, to be honest, I don't follow enough La Liga to, to understand the state of some of the other teams, but mm. it's hard to believe that, that Barca are going to stay at the top as Messi gets older and they're running this just like terrible fashion yeah like the i don't know how they're gonna stay anywhere near the top of the league if, if they're just selling players to pay for messi um eduardo camavinga this the the kid i don't know yeah united are maybe in on him i haven't seen much of him i don't know i haven't seen much of him have you seen i haven't seen much only like red things here and there yeah i uh he's only 18 so I would say that unless it's a, another striker or a proper holding midfield player, so we don't have to play Fred, 
I would I would not be too excited. Give me a striker or a holding midfield player, and anyone else is probably a bit of a waste of time. Cause just just think about play like positionally where where we need to improve. And then those those stand out to me as the the two positions where we need just more quality, either more depth or more quality. There was some James Madison Arsenal stuff a week or two ago. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he would leave Leicester. Mm. I mean, he's, to me, that's a downgrade. I don't know what he. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it might be <laughs> unless he's just so desperate for more money. Like I'm sure they could offer him a bigger deal. But maybe, maybe. Uh, I would not. I would not leave Leicester to play for Arsenal. He has three years left on a hundred and ten k a week deal. Well, yeah. I mean, how much would Arsenal offer him? Two hundred k a week or something? I don't know. I would. I would not leave Leicester to go to Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, Leicester, one of the best run clubs in the Prem. Yeah, and even after that, um, that accident with the owner. Yeah. A Jesse Lingard back at, back at United, but for long, I don't know. I don't know. He t- he transformed his career in that spell at West Ham, and I like. He seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, I've never been very like impressed with him as a footballer, but if he can play how he played for West Ham, then uh, I'd be happy to have him at United. So I, I hope. I hope he sort of carries that form into the season, but uh, I'm skeptical. Uh, apparently, Moyes wanted to bring him in full time, uh, and United proposed thirty million, but that was too high. Yeah, it sounds like a lot to me yeah, for Jalen. For someone who just had a good run of like ten weeks. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like basketball. Okay, like he check. You check. Uh, one team that had, I thought, a very impressive transfer window was PSG. They got yeah. Donnarumma, uh, Hakimi, who else? Wijnaldum. Yeah, Dan, that, I think that I like Wijnaldum a lot. I think that's a great team. It was a free transfer as well, I think. Yeah, it was. That's um, that's pretty impressive. Oh, Sergio Ramos, another one. Yeah, I don't know how big that is. I don't know how Ramos is certainly getting on. But yeah. He brings that veteran mentality. Yeah, yeah. And I think, to be honest, what PSG lack more than anything else is is like a competitive mentality. That kind of... Leadership? Yeah, just a bounce back ability, leadership, steal, like a bit of a fuck you attitude. Yeah. Um, You're not really getting that with uh, Neymar. (laughs) He's rolling around the ground. No. So... I think Wijnaldum's a good addition. Ramos, like, these are players with a bit of grit, which I think PSG lack. Lacks. Um, last thing on football, Messi gets his first trophy for Argentina. Yes. I know. It was, it was really um, emotional to watch just to see, like, how much of, like, after the final whistle, all the Argentina players yeah. ran towards him, like, and it's yeah. I think you know, in ten years' time or twenty years' time, when Messi's career is over, 
I'm sure people are going to say, oh, well, he didn't win. He didn't win enough with Argentina. Like, he can't be considered the best player of all time. But it's, uh, like, we we grew up with Messi. Like, Messi is, like, our... Yeah, him and Ronaldo are our player. Our yeah, and Cri- Messi and Cristiano. And so, it doesn't matter, like, what people say about how, you know, his international... Yeah, no. Resume. I mean, if you I, were I, if you were there to watch him for, like, all these years... Just even, like, I'm not sure how much of us, like, watch La Liga, you know, week in, week out. But Champions League was enough to just watch him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, like, obviously, every generation has pl- players that, that like, will just forever be the greatest in their mind. Because they, you know, they grew up watching Messi. They, they have memories of Messi highlights, like, just stuck in their brain. Um and so I, 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 I won't even entertain any discussion about another top two other than Messi and Cristiano. Like, it doesn't matter. Forget about stats or anything like that. It's just uh, they're the two greatest I've ever seen and probably will ever see. Agreed. Um, did you watch McGregor last week? Oh, down. Throw me a curveball. <laughs> With the USC, I I did. Uh, to be honest, I'm I'm sort of tired tired of McGregor. <laughs> it's become, I saw like a. It's becoming a lot. I mean, he, yeah. He's um. He's become a kind of a caricature of himself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he, he feels like he's acting out. He's playing McGregor as McGregor, but just without the same. First of all, without the same fighting ability and also without the same, like, grit and determination. And so his time as, you know, like, he'll still he'll still fight. He'll still make a lot of money. Everyone will want to fight him because they'll take home the biggest payday of their career. Mm. But in my mind, McGregor is, is done. I... You know, no, he... Yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's a, that's that's it. It's just like in, he's he's his career is not over, but in my mind he's he's done. I can uh I can see it already like 5 10 years from now, McGregor versus Jake Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it it doesn't it doesn't really matter to like casual fans like you or I because I think what McGregor achieved his purpose, you know what I mean? Like he got people, he got ra- like yeah. casual fans interested in the UFC. He is the reason that so many people. He's the reason why UFC is like taking over combat sports. Yeah, essentially, a hundred percent. And so, to, I will, I will remember him as that as that person. Do you know what I mean? Like I won't necessarily remember the fighting. I mean, he was an, he was a he was a great fighter, but to casual MMA fans, like. Like me, or and I assume you as well. He's he's the character that like brought the UFC to to the world stage. Like actually got people buying pay per views, tuning in, watching highlights, watching the press conferences. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the other combat sport currently suffering from like an overload of YouTubers versus like retired athletes. 
Uh, Fury versus Wilder 3, delayed. COVID. I don't know. Yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. I, I, uh... I thought AJ Fury was happening. We all did. Guess, <laughs> guess, guess that's out of nowhere. There's the like code. a there's apparently a contract clause for a third fight. Yeah, I would have thought someone, some intern or anyone would have picked up on that. <laughs> but I guess not. So yeah, yeah. I guess we're waiting. We're waiting for Fury. Fury Wilder, the third fight. I think they rescheduled I mean, for October pretty sure do you know where if I need Vegas oh yeah I don't know if, do you think it'll actually happen in October yeah probably yeah? Yeah. yeah I mean yeah unless like everything just goes to shit again then no but uh, Joshua is fighting in September against Usyk However you say it. Yeah, sure. that's the man. Is that that's a mandatory? No. Yeah. Because like um, the Fury deal fell through, and then I guess they had to give him a mandatory fighter. Yeah. At Tottenham Stadium. <laughs> that's really hard. I think Usyk, Usyk fought. Um, oh, Dylan White. No, didn't he? he didn't he beat Dylan White? Did he? Get... Um, or maybe Chisora. No, 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 no. Ah, okay. Chisora. Yeah, yeah. He, um, yeah, I mean, it's almost not even worth talking about talking about AJ until until the Fury fight rolls back around because I uh, I'm just so I'm so bored. It's just not. It's like there's just no there's nothing dragging me to anything that boxing is putting on. You know. I, yeah. No. I agree. and I, I I refuse to watch the YouTuber fights. And uh, so I'm just stuck. Like, you, the UFC is filling that vacuum to an extent. I mean, for me, I'd rather I'd, I'd I'd always rather watch boxing. But I I find it hard to get excited about about the sport. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe something will change. Maybe we'll get a new a new fighter coming through or a new a new model for how boxing is gonna work. That'll get people, get people excited. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe we don't need the like four different organizations and titles. I don't know, five, whatever. It yeah. Is. I don't know. I I heard you know, you know yeah Max Kellerman. Yeah. I heard Max Kellerman talk, talking about boxing, and he said like probably the smartest thing I've heard. He said, um, in terms of inherent interest, boxing will always have the most sort of the most people wanting to watch it because if you watch two people in the street fighting everyone's gonna watch if you watch two people kicking a football around or shooting hoops like i'm not stopping to watch you know what i mean so there's there's a there's a inherent fascination with just two people going going to town on each other that uh that will never that will never like never be lost but I don't know. They're just there's so much more to the sport than just that. You know what I mean? Like to get to that point where actually two people are in, are in a ring fighting. There's just so much that goes into it, and to make that fight interesting, 
you have to give a shit about the people that are fighting. Like you have to, you know, you, you need a narrative. You need to be, you know, rooting for someone or he's the villain or he's the good guy or whatever. You know, there needs to be some kind of story that people can latch on to. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't get that with boxing at all. No, they've definitely lost the narratives to UFC. Um, yeah, casual fans of combat sports just don't follow boxing anymore. It's not exciting. Also, there's like, what, one or two fights a year, maybe? Like, with the UFC, there's fights all the time. Yeah, I think well, I think they're doing like 43 fights a year or something That's like that. 48, 48 weeks or something That's ridiculous. crazy. Like, boxing could never, never get near that. No, no. And the, the great thing is, is when you buy the pay-per-view, you're getting, you're getting a card where, you know, there's like three or four. Yeah. Really good fights. Good fights. And in boxing, if you buy, uh, (laughs) if you buy the pay-per-view, you're lucky if the, if one of the undercards is good. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In my experience, in my experience. Um... Other miscellaneous topics. Have you been watching any NBA finals? I have. I have. I've, um, I would, I would just, before this year, I would describe myself as like a NBA curious. Like I, I would never, um, I would never like, you know, pencil in regular season games, but I'd always like turn it on. But I've really gone into this year's playoffs. I've really been enjoying it. Um, it's uh I think also again like going back to the narrative point it's just the the narrative of Giannis is is compelling. Oh, it's so cool. And then yeah, and the narrative of Chris Paul like these are two people that I I'm interested in. I'm interested in their story. Um so that that's been as well like the basketball's been been exciting and great to watch but just like there's there's another dimension to it which makes it compelling and good entertainment. Yeah. Um it's definitely been, I don't know, the way that it works with, like, NBA fans. Just, like, people will find a reason to, like, invalidate uh, a team's achievements. So mm-hmm. if you're anti-Phoenix, you will look back at this and be, like, first round they played a Lakers team that was recovering from injuries, and then AD got hurt, like, and couldn't play. Uh, in the second round... Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray and other various rotation players. In the third round, they played the Clippers, and you know Kawhi didn't play at all the entire series. Um, and the finals, like the Bucks, are relatively healthy. They're missing one starter, but his role's been filled in pretty sufficiently, I'd say. Um, yeah, I mean, to, I I don't know. Like to be honest, I don't understand enough about basketball to. To like have a have a clear opinion, but to me it's a lot of games I watch and I'm like, okay, well, one team shots went in, like one team hit, you know, forty percent of their threes, and another team hit twenty percent of their threes, and that's why, you know, that's why they lost or why they won. But um, like that's been my attitude for a pretty long time. But I think in this series I'm starting to to understand more about like what actually makes makes a team good or makes a team bad or allows a team to win. And so it's just like like aspects of the defense or for example like the kind of shots you're taking or the kind of 
you know, like who, how you, who you switch on the pick and roll or things like that. Like there's so much to basketball that like you need to really look, look closely at. And I think now I'm starting to like recognize those things. And that, that's always cool. Like it just makes it makes it just like adds another layer. Yeah. When you start to figure it out, like you just feel kind of like uh, fulfilled, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, as I said, like, my attitude was why, I can't really tell you why they won or why they lost, like, to me, more shots just went in, it's not like they're taking better, like, now I can say, oh, well, that's, that's a bad shot, like, why, why is Giannis taking a pull-up transition three? <laughs> is he taking any like, three? <laughs> like, that seems like an obvious, that seems like an obvious thing that you should be doing, um, so yeah, no, I've I've really enjoyed it, but I don't know. You you have to tell me whether uh, whether this this series is like relative to other finals is is a letdown in terms of just because you know like at the, at the beginning of the year nobody would have expected that it's Phoenix Milwaukee in the NBA finals. Yeah. Um. So when the series started, there was a weird like uh, media thing about how these are small market teams and you know it's bad for viewership and things like that. Um, I mean the rating. The ratings are terrible, no? Yeah, they're better than last year. But last year it's because of the bubble, and nobody like a, a lot of people didn't really care to watch that. Um, right. But it's up from last year. Not that it's saying much. Um, there was also like uh, you know, there's no LeBron, no Steph, no KD. Those guys who have been running the finals for the last decade, basically. Mm. Um, but I have been having a lot of fun with the finals. At least there were some like, playoff series this year that were just, like, complete trash. Um, <laughs> but overall, it's been exciting uh, to see a lot of the young guys step up in uh, not just the finals, but, like, even, like, the first round. Like, I was super anti Trey Young. <laughs> I mean, I, st- I still am at times, you know. Some of his foul-drawing bullshit is, like, just horrible to watch. But he was really good. And I like have done a 180 on at least his playing style, and how successful mm. that could be. But like in the finals, Booker, um, Giannis finally getting past whatever that wall was, uh, opposed to this season. Uh, who else? Middleton. Middleton is a weird. There's a joke among NBA Twitter that Middleton's either like Michael Jordan or a nobody. It's just in terms <laughs> of the way he plays. Like he's either making every single shot. Or none of them. Mm. Um, what else? Aiton. Uh, Aiton's been really fun to watch. You know, Phoenix took him over Luka in 2018. In um, the first couple of years, like, it didn't really pan out. But this year, he's been really great. Part of that's probably also Chris Paul. Just mm. having Chris Paul as your point guard probably changes a lot of things. Um, right, yeah. Similar to a lot of, like... Kyle Lowry's kind of like a Chris Paul light almost in terms of playing style and I think he helped like a lot of centers that came through Toronto like Bismack Biombo secured 80 million dollars after he played for the Raptors um mm. part of that probably because Lowry's made him look like a serviceable center interesting yeah um yeah I guess I guess so much of especially if you're playing a position like center where you rely on other players to get you the ball yeah like, if you're playing with someone who doesn't know what they're doing. If you're not Jokic or Embiid, like, you need other people to help facilitate. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, even then, 
you like so much of so much of the center play is like you know screening or like where you where you situate yourself on the court yeah for example like every you know everyone wants spacing right like everyone's threes and spacing so if you don't have that element to your game you got to be doing something else to make you yeah. yeah, so a guy like Aiton, who like isn't a three-point threat at all, is at least setting good screens, and he rolls really hard to the rim. He provides pretty versatile defense, um, and he's up for extension this summer, and he's probably going to get much more than anybody thought he would a year ago. Mm. Um, I don't know. There's, like, the contracts in the NBA are ridiculously high. Um, like, Luka's going to get an immense amount of money as well this summer um but the way that it works is like once you achieve a certain level of achievements whether it be like defensive player of the year or all nba team you are eligible for this amount of money and if teams don't want to pay you that then you can just walk and get it somewhere else so like utah had to pay rudy gobert like 200 million dollars wow but you know I'm not sure anyone really wants to pay Rudy Gobert $200 million. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that it's so structured like that. Like if you're a lottery pick, you're, a lot, you're, uh, you're, you're eligible to get X amount of money. Yeah. You know, if you're super max or max or all this, you know, it's it's so different to uh, European football. It's just it's like anarchy. Yeah. There's, um, there's quite a few interesting storylines. So you have the Lillard situation in Portland. Lots mm. of rumors about a trade. Uh, ben Simmons, Just, sounds like he's gone. Yeah, it seems like the fans hate him, but, like, anyone who knows anything about basketball th- thinks he's, thinks he's you know, like, worthwhile to trade for. So it's 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 w- such a weird situation. He's, um... Okay, from, like, a Raptors point of view, because, you know, that's what I know best... It's like he would make our defense like it would be a monster is what it would be with uh, Simmons, like OG Ananobi and Pascal. Mm. Um, But on offense, he just hasn't progressed as a player since he's been drafted. Like, he, he just, There's no improvement. Right. I mean, there's still time. Though. I know. He no? is also 24. I mean, so there's like some people turn on people quickly. Right. He's only 24, but he has loads of time. It's also a big contract, so. Yeah, but it's not even like, I mean, the way I see it is it it would only be an incremental change. Like, he doesn't need to be a, you know, a 40% three-point shooter. No, or, he uh, just has to, like, actually take shots. Right, yeah. right. And so do, it's not like these are, in, I mean, I guess maybe they are enormous improvements, but players have made this, you know, other players have made this jump before. You know, it's not it's not like totally unprecedented. So I'm I've been shocked about how pessimistic everyone is. Yeah. Um I don't know. You know, there have been teams that have been mentioned. Uh apparently Minnesota really wants him. Really? Yeah. I don't know. To to what's play with Towns or Yes. But they would have to give up Russell probably. And and more, no? Yeah. Is that... Russell and then something to, uh, you know, picks or a young guy. Um, who else? Indiana was mentioned. The Raptors were mentioned. Um, 
What would the Raptors have to give to get? Uh, one path would be Lowry uh, plus, like, I don't know, picks and maybe, like, Boucher. Or... No, I love Chris Boucher. <laughs> Slim duck. <laughs> um, or it would be just Pascal for Ben, straight up. Although I'm not sure Philly would do that. Like Pascal and Embiid doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, to me, Spicy P is... Uh, seems like seems to be their only tradable asset, right? Like, who's who's going to take Lowry at this stage in his career? He... I mean, he had a really good year. Um... He is like, he's gonna get money this off season. He's probably gonna get fifty yeah. million, like two years fifty, is what it seems like. Wow. Uh, the teams are Miami, Philly, maybe Dallas, or like he just comes back to the Raptors. I don't know. Interesting. Well, he's from Philadelphia, isn't he? Yeah, that's always been a thing. Does that? Do you think that means anything? They tried or? to trade for him uh, in February at the deadline. They didn't come to an agreement. Interesting. Do you think he'll go to what next season? What's the most likely team for Kyle Lowry? Like, what are the percentages in terms of staying in Toronto versus? It's more likely he ends up in Philly or Miami than being in Toronto. I think. Really? Yeah. Because wow. I think he wants to win, and he knows that's probably <laughs> not in Toronto next year or the next two. He's already thirty-five. He only has so many years left. Um, oh, wow. So then from the team that won won the championship, there's what just Fred, Pascal. Just Van Fleet. OG. Except OG didn't even play in the playoffs because he had an appendectomy. He would have played. Right. That kinda sucks. But um I mean I feel good so, going forward with Fred, Pascal, OG, number four pick, and various other people. Yeah, the the number four pick is is interesting because 'cause I've I've heard a lot about Teams just not, you know, because let's say the top five or top six are relatively equal. I mean, other than Cade, Cade, I think, yeah. from what I've read, is is the sort of definite number one. It's almost, I mean, would you think it's worth trading down? So, and uh, I've thought I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> um, the idea it seems is like it's like a four player draft and then five or six are like kind of in their own tier maybe and then after that there's like a bunch of guys right um so four players being Cade and then the next three are kind of interchangeable Jalen Green Evan Mobley and Jalen Suggs and it seems most likely is Jalen Suggs coming to four um okay but so like an interesting trade option is like would you do number four pick for Orlando has number five and eight. So like, would they offer five and eight for four if they really like, I don't know, one of those three guys at four. And then would you do that? I might. If you're really high on one of the guys at five, if you think the guy at five is the same as four, then you do that, I guess. A lot of it just comes down to the team's like subjective views of certain players. Right. Well, it's just, to me, if, if the mentality is, okay, if most teams think it's a four, you know, the top four players are the only players that we really, really want, and the Raptors don't feel that way, mm-hmm. then it's worth, it's worth trading down, because you could probably get a lot, yeah. a lot for it. And typically, the Raptors haven't been uh, a super consensus team amongst the other teams, I'd say. Right. Like, some of their, like, Siakam at 27 was, like, 
an out of nowhere pick and it worked out great. Right. I guess there's also, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's this weird thing about players not wanting to come to Canada. Because, <laughs> like, I, re- I remember hearing, you know, when Vancouver, when Vancouver had a team, that just nobody wanted to play for the Grizzlies. Because it's just, like, culturally, players didn't want to be in that environment. They didn't want to be so far from home. There's Things like that. Is that, is that valid? or There's a weird thing. I'm not really sure, like, why it exists. Like, it's not, like, actually that far away from anywhere in the U.S. for no. most players. Like, no. um, okay, you might have to do immigration when you fly and land in your private uh, air, airplane in, like, a private airport. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. sure that must suck. <laughs> um, But I think, like, in the success they've had in the last, uh, whatever, seven years or so, they've tried to push their brand a little more and I think it's probably helped. Like I'm sure a lot of the guys are going out and trying to recruit players or at least putting out a better brand image, you know, like, uh, Jeremy Lin told a great story on a podcast recently where he was playing against the Raptors the year that they were winning the championship, that they won the championship. Um, and like during the game, during a play, like Lowry was recruiting him to come to the team (laughs) <laughs> Which ended up happening. Really? He got bought out, and then he came like a week later. Wow, wow, um, interesting. And with the draft, it's like you know, players don't really have a choice. <laughs> um, yeah, but you like you don't want to draft someone that doesn't want to be there. Yeah, which is why they have like interviews pre-draft and things like that. You know, like I'm sure they can gauge the interest. And the Raptors have like very renowned development staff. Like they've turned players who are very raw into max contract guys so i'm sure that holds some sort of weight yeah i mean look uh, in terms of the geography you know obviously i live in i live in toronto i would much like i've been to some of these cities in the u.s detroit i don't know why anyone would rather live in detroit than no in- like toronto is one of the best places to live in any of these cities in the nba like i would think- yeah i mean aside from the West Coast, obviously yeah. the weather. You've got, like, the main markets, L.A., Miami, New York. Right. Yeah. Other than outside of those locations, I have, I don't know why. I mean, I guess, you know, culturally, maybe Canada is different. But it doesn't make much sense to me why people would have that attitude. I mean, maybe the tax. Yeah. Maybe there's something more. there with that. But it's it's really... Bamboozling. You're also going to get some, I, I've heard it. You'll get some sick sponsorship deals if you come to Toronto, like Osmos. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just you. You are. You are the team in the country, basically. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. I think it's still very much a hockey country, mm-hmm. but you are the only basketball team in in Canada. So the level of attention you're getting, I would imagine, is is bigger than in in let's say. You know, like if you're a, if you're a basketball team in Texas, for example, or California, if you're like the Sacramento Kings, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I it's kind of I um doesn't make sense to me. Like Masai talked about this in his end of season uh, press conference, um, like just getting more recognition around the league, which again, like they have done drastically differently in the last uh, seven years, um, leading mm-hmm. up to the championship, um, and. 
the owners of the Raptors MLSC, I believe right. their owner is the chair of the NBA, like board of governors, uh, whatever it is. He holds like oh, he really? holds a pretty significant amount of power amongst the owners is what it seems like. And I assume part of the reason that Masai's negotiations are taking so long right now are because he's asking for a lot in terms of getting certain things within the league. Um, Interesting. So, you, But you think Masai stays? It's From everything that's been reported, it sounds like he's staying. It's just a matter of when he signs it, not if. There's also a report that it might be the richest deal for a president or GM in North American sports. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I guess... Uh... I guess he's proven himself to be the. He's. I mean, who, who, he's regarded as like I mean, wh- one of the best GMs in the league, if not the best. Right. I mean, who else is the OKC guy? What's his name? <laughs> Sam Presti, king of draft picks. Yeah. He just owns Sam like Presti. every draft pick for the next like ten years. I mean, who else? Who else is considered to be like? Uh, Pat Riley. Excellent front office, right? At Miami. Um. Most of the time, I hear negative things about GMs, like on, <laughs> on average. <laughs> Most of the stuff. Daryl. The GM talk guy. Daryl Morey. Uh, that definitely hold. Daryl Morey holds some some of that. Yeah, but is it? I think I thought people are kind of out on him just because of how all the the Houston thing turned out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think people find him interesting just like the analytics part of it. The but. um, the word on Houston was like the they had a new owner like in his last year, and like apparently the owner right, held right. a lot of power over certain basketball op- like uh operations so like right well he forced forced the westbrook thing didn't yeah. he <laughs> apparently yeah. his son played a big part in that really yeah, the owner's son <laughs> i don't know the nba is like maybe the most dramatic league in the world it's uh there's just yeah because it's just sorry go ahead there's just is for some reason a lot of drama i don't know why i mean to me it's because it's so star focused like if you have a team of if only five people can be on the court, yeah, the the individual influence of one of those players is going to be so high. And the fact, I mean, I, I guess you can, you you definitely know more about this than I do. But one of the reasons ratings are down, in in my opinion, is that people don't. If you're only interested in the players, you're not interested in the team, then you'll just watch their highlights on YouTube or something or on Instagram or whatever. Like. There's no as it as it becomes more star driven focused yeah star driven the the sort of the mentality of fans is is such that they there's just no no interest in them tuning in to see games because all they're interested in is one a single player and so they'll follow that player to whatever team he goes and just watch what that single player does and. They don't have a wider interest in the the sport or how other teams are doing or things like that. Yeah, the NBA is like built for the TikTok generation, basically. Like if mm-hmm. you just go on TikTok every morning and you can see or like or Instagram, whatever, it doesn't really matter. You can see like thirty seconds worth of highlights from the last night and your favorite player also, whatever. Um Yeah. And yeah, with five players on the court, like the NBA is definitely the league where the best players drive winning the most. Because that one player can carry so much of the load. Like, that's why LeBron was able to carry so many teams to the finals. 
Because mm. he was just so good. Like, a lot of those teams were absolute shit. But he could just carry them. Yeah. it's. I mean, long term, how do you think ratings will will, will trend? Do you think the sport's on a downwards... No, if anything, I think... Downwards trajectory? I think it's probably on a upwards trajectory, but just not in their traditional sense. Um, mm. Like, uh, the ratings for the finals might be down, but I think the sport is more popular than ever, uh, partly because of Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, things like that. Um, and like you said, people are just more drawn to players than teams. So... yeah. Okay, I'm glad. Well, I'm glad to hear you're optimistic because I think maybe older older people tend to be a bit. Um, I think also there's a, a certain power that NBA players hold, like, mm. uh, and that leads to a lot of politics um, and very political messages that they're trying. You know, like things like in the bubble and all that stuff, and a lot of older people just don't want that in sports. Yeah, do you think, like, I'm always interested when people say that because how much of that, how much of the decline in viewership could you attribute to, let's say, like, political messaging during games or... I think... Because to me, that's such, that's a relatively small percentage. Like, it doesn't explain yeah enough. I I guess you're right. It can't account for, like, the decline that, the finals saw last year, for example, which is like the lowest watched right. finals since I don't know, two thousand like seven or something. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have like a great answer for that. I, the ESPN broadcast is also just not very good. Um. For example, like the halftime show is like thirty seconds. Mm. Like you might have heard Simmons and Rusillo talking about this. But yeah, I know. I think I, I think I did. It's yeah. like a. It's weird. I don't know. Well, the the advertisements thing. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's but to be honest, that is North American sports. It's just like ads for most of the time, and the occasional. So, like within the, North American sports, I'd say basketball is more popular than baseball. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, base yeah, baseball is pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> At least they have uh, Shohei Otani, my new favorite player. Yeah. He's the. He, I think he came around too late, to be honest, though. Yeah, probably. Because um, he's, yeah. Yeah, but he's not as... He's just a star. Not as highly viewed as football. Probably not. Uh, hockey, more than hockey, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, I guess you're right, though. It's just, like, conventional metrics maybe don't, don't really capture the popularity of the sport. Yeah. Like, uh, House of Highlights probably has, I don't know, 30 million followers or more, 50 million. And a lot of that's just basketball content. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you're, that's a, it's a good point. It's just, like, the way people consume media has changed so much. And so to evaluate the popularity of the sport just by saying, okay, well, X number of people turned on their TV to watch the finals is um is kind of misleading. And you know, like the NBA posts um like 10 minute highlight videos of every game like right after they finish. 
And if people don't want to watch, sit down and watch a two and a half hour game, that's fine. I understand that. You can just watch a 10 minute highlight video afterwards and get a pretty good idea of what happened. So. Yeah. I think the, the time thing is like one of the reasons why football is, it's just a better product in my opinion, like European football, like aside from the sport, like it doesn't matter. Like irrespective of how much I like the sport is that, you know, it's going to take up a definite amount of time. Mm. Like, you know, you're going to sit down 90 minutes and you have like, let's say 50 minute halftime and that's it. Like that's your chunk of time with basketball. Oh yeah. Those last like just, uh, three minutes can take ages. I know. It's like they, they, they have no respect for the fans in terms of their enjoyment or how much time they want to dedicate. Like they'll take up four hours if they want to. And the NFL does this as well. But it's it's a different sport, a different kind of sport. It stops art in nature. Yeah. But basketball doesn't have to does basketball doesn't have to be like this. But they for some reason they've gravitated to just extending extending the game beyond any reasonable time period. To me at least. To me. Yeah. Yeah. But they draw the fans out. Adele was at the game last night. In, in oh, yeah? Phoenix. I, that's kind of weird, but okay. She, she she lives in America now? I don't know. I don't think she lives in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of a weird place for Adele to live. Maybe she probably flew from LA or something. I don't know. Lil Wayne was there. Oh, yeah? And LeBron. Le- well, LeBron he's... was courtside. Yeah, I saw that. He was wearing some uh, interesting <laughs> outfit there. <laughs> some, like, leopard pattern thing or something? I don't know. Yeah, he had the, like, big sunglasses with, like, yeah. Diamonds in the corner. Well, yeah. Apparently, Space Jam Two sucks. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. It looks stupid. <laughs> looks pretty stupid. It's just an ad for Warner Brothers, allegedly. It's like the one-liner for that movie. Yeah, well, I'm sure. It's like LeBron just loves it because it's uh, it's his way to stay. First of all, stay in the narrative with respect to Jordan, and also just stay in the news. Yeah, he's a bit Definitely. of a as a bit of a prima donna. Yeah. Oh, LeBron. All right. This was good. Thank you for coming on. Yes, thank you for having me. It's, uh, this is, I think, our longest one. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. This is my, my deep, deep insider basketball knowledge. All right. I will talk to you soon. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.